Section 32 of The Fairy Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jamie Noy. The Fairy Book by Dinah Maria Mullock. The Bluebird, Part 1. A powerful and wealthy king having lost his wife, was so inconsolable that he shut himself up for eight entire days in a little cabinet where he spent his time in knocking his head against the wall until the courtiers were afraid he would kill himself. They accordingly placed stuffed mattresses over every wall and allowed all his subjects, who desired, to pay him a visit, trusting that something would be said to alleviate his grief. But neither grave nor lively discourse made any impression upon him. He scarcely heard what was spoken. At last there presented herself before him a lady, covered from head to foot in a long crape veil, who wept and sobbed so much that the king noticed her. She told him that she did not come, like the rest, to console him, but rather to encourage his grief. She herself had lost the best of husbands and here she began to weep so profusely that it was a wonder her eyes were not melted out of her head. The king began to weep in company, and to talk to her of his dear wife. She did the same of her dear husband. In fact, they talked so much that they talked their sorrow quite away. Then, lifting up her veil, she showed lovely blue eyes and dark eyelashes. The king noticed her more and more he spoke less and less of the departed queen. By and by he ceased to speak of her at all. The end was that he courted the inconsolable lady in the black veil and married her. By his first marriage he had one daughter, called Florina, or the little Flora because she was so fresh and lovely. At the time of his second marriage she was quite fifteen years old. The new queen also had a daughter, who was being brought up by her godmother, the fairy Susio. Her name was Troutina, because her complexion was all spotted like a trout's back. Indeed, she was altogether ugly and disagreeable. And when contrasted with Florina, the difference between the two made the mother so envious that she and Troutina spared no pains to make the princess's life unhappy and to speak ill of her to her father. One day, the king observed that both girls were now old enough to be married, and that he intended to choose for one of them the first prince who visited his court. "'Be it so,' said the queen, "'and as my daughter is older, handsomer, and more amiable than yours, she shall have the first choice.' The king disputed nothing. Indeed, he never did. The queen ruled him in all things. Some time after, news came that King Charming would shortly arrive, and that he was as charming as his name. When the queen heard this news, she sent for milliners, dressmakers, jewelers, and decked Troutina from head to foot. But to Florina she allowed not a single new frock. The poor princess had to put on her old one, which was very old and shabby indeed. She was so much ashamed of it that she hid herself in a corner of the saloon, lest King Charming should see her. But he did not, being overwhelmed with the ceremonious reception given him by the queen, who presented to him Troutina, 
all blazing with jewels, yet so ugly that King Charming involuntarily turned away his eyes. But, madam, is there not another princess called Florina? They pointed to the corner where Florina was hidden, and she came out, blushing so much that the young king was dazzled with her beauty, in spite of her shabby gown. He rose and made her a profound reverence, paying her besides so many elegant compliments that the queen became very much displeased. King Charming took no heed, but conversed with Florina for three hours without stopping. Indeed, his admiration of her was so plain that the queen and Troutina begged of the king that she might be shut up in a tower during the whole time of his visit. So, as soon as she returned to her apartment, four men in masks entered and carried her off, leaving her in a dark cell and in the utmost desolation. Meantime, King Charming eagerly awaited her reappearance, but he saw her no more, and by the queen's orders everyone about him spoke all the evil they could of poor Florina, but he refused to believe one word. No, he said, nature could not have united a base nature to such a sweet, innocent face. I will rather suppose that she is maligned by her stepmother and by Troutina, who is so ugly herself that no wonder she bears envy toward the fairest woman in the world. Meanwhile, Florina, shut up in her tower, lamented bitterly. Ah, would I had been sent here before I saw this amiable prince, who was so kind to me. It is to prevent my meeting him again that the queen treats me so cruelly. Alas, the little beauty I have has cost me sore. The queen, to win King Charming for her daughter, made him many presents, among the rest an order of knighthood, a golden heart, enameled in flame color, surrounded with many arrows, but pierced by one only, the motto being, she alone. The heart was made of a single ruby, as big as an ostrich's egg. Each arrow was a diamond, a finger's length, and the chain was of pearls, each weighing a pound. When the young king received this very handsome present, he was much perplexed, until they told him it came from the princess whom he had lately seen, and who requested him to be her knight. Florina, cried he, enchanted. No, Troutina. Then I am sorry I cannot accept the honor, replied King Charming. A monarch is surely at liberty to form his own engagements. I know what is a knight's duty to his lady, and I should wish to fulfill it. As I cannot fulfill it to Troutina, I would rather decline the favor she offers me than become unworthy of it. Civil as this answer was, it irritated the queen and her daughter exceedingly. And when, since in all his audiences with their majesties he never saw Florina, he at last inquired where the younger princess was, the queen answered fiercely that she was shut up in prison and would remain there till Troutino was married. "'And for what reason?' asked King Charming. "'I do not know, and if I did I would not tell you,' replied the queen, more angrily than ever, so that King Charming quitted her presence as soon as ever he could. When he was alone he sent for one of his attendants, whom he trusted very much 
and begged him to gain information from some court lady about the princess florina this scheme succeeded so well that florina was persuaded to promise she would speak to him for a few moments next night from a small window at the bottom of the tower but the faithless lady-in-waiting betrayed her to the queen who locked her up in her chamber and determined to send her own daughter to the window instead the night was so dark that king charming never found out the difference but made to trotina all the tender speeches that he meant for florina offering her his crown and his heart and ending by placing his own ring on her finger as a pledge of eternal fidelity he also made her agree to fly with him next night in a chariot drawn by winged frogs of which a great magician one of his friends had made him a present he thought she talked very little and that little not in quite so pleasant a voice as formerly still he was too much in love to notice much and departed very joyfully in having obtained her promise next night troutina thickly veiled quitted the palace by a secret door king charming met her received her in his arms and vowed to love her for ever then he lifted her into the fairy chariot and they sailed about in the air for some hours but as he was not likely to wish to sail about for ever he at last proposed that they should descend to earth and be married troutina agreed with all her heart but wished that the ceremony should be performed at her godmother's the fairy susio so they entered together into the fairy palace and she told her godmother privately how all had happened and how she had won king charming begging the fairy to pacify him when he found out his mistake my child replied the godmother that is more easily said than done he is too deeply in love with florina meantime the king was left waiting in a chamber with diamond walls so thin and transparent that through them he saw troutina and susio conversing together he stood like a man in a dream what am i betrayed has this enemy to my peace carried away my dear florina how great was his despair when susio said to him in a commanding voice king charming behold the princess troutina to whom you have promised your faith marry her immediately do you think me a fool cried the king i have promised her nothing she is stop if you show me any disrespect I will respect you as much as a fairy deserves to be respected, if you will only give me back my princess. Am not I she? said Troutina. It was to me you gave this ring, to me you spoke at the window. I have been wickedly deceived, cried the king. Come, my winged frogs, we will depart immediately. You cannot, said Susio, and, touching him, he found himself fixed as if his feet were glued to the pavement you may turn me into stone exclaimed he but i will love no one except florina susio employed persuasions threats promises entreaties troutina wept groaned shrieked and then tried quiet sulkiness but the king uttered not a word for twenty days and twenty nights he stood there without sleeping or eating or once sitting down they talked all the while at length susio quite worn out said 
choose seven years of penitence and punishment, or marry my goddaughter. I choose, answered the king, and I will not marry your goddaughter. Then fly out of this window in the shape of a bluebird. Immediately the king's figure changed. His arms formed themselves into wings, his legs and feet turned black and thin, and claws grew upon them. His body wasted into the slender shape of a bird, and he was covered with bright blue feathers. His eyes became round and beady, his nose an ivory beak, and his crown was a white plume on the top of his head. He began to speak in a singing voice, and then, uttering a doleful cry, fled away as far as possible from the fatal palace of Susio. But, though he looked only a bluebird, the king was his own natural self still, and remembered all his misfortunes, and did not cease to lament for his beautiful Florina. Flying from tree to tree, he sang melancholy songs about her and himself, and wished he were dead many a time. The fairy Susio sent back Troutina to her mother, who was furious. Florina shall repent having pleased King Charming, cried she. And dressing her own daughter in rich garments, with a gold crown on her head and King Charming's ring on her finger, she took her to the tower. Florina, your sister is come to see and bring you marriage presents, for she is now the wife of King Charming. Florina, doubting no more her lover's loss, fell down in a swoon, and the queen immediately went to tell her father that she was mad for love, and must be watched closely, lest she should in some way disgrace herself. The king said her stepmother might do with her exactly what she pleased. When the princess recovered from her swoon, she began to weep, and wept all night long, sitting at the open window of her tower. The bluebird, who kept continually flying about the palace, but only at night-time, lest any one should see him, happened to come and perch upon a tall cypress opposite the window, and heard her. But it was too dark to see who she was, and at daylight she shut the window. Next night it was broad moonlight, and then he saw clearly the figure of a young girl, weeping sore, and knew that it was his beloved Florina. When she paused in her lamentations, "'Adorable princess,' said he, why do you mourn? Your troubles are not without remedy. Who speaks to me so gently? asked she. A king who loves you and will never love any other. So saying, he flew up to the window, and at first frightened the princess very much, for she could not understand such an extraordinary thing as a bird who talked in words like a man, yet kept still the piping voice of a nightingale but soon she began stroking his beautiful plumage and caressing him. Who are you, charming bird? You have spoken my name. I am King Charming, condemned to be a bird for seven years, because I will not renounce you. Ah, do not deceive me. I know you have married Troutina. She came to visit me with your diamonds on her neck and your ring on her finger. Wearing the golden crown and royal mantle, which you had given her, while I was laden with iron chains. It is all false, sang the bluebird, and told her his whole story, which comforted her so much that she thought no more of her misfortunes. 
they conversed till daybreak and promised faithfully every night to meet again thus meantime the princess could not sleep for thinking of her bluebird suppose sportsmen should shoot him or eagles and kites attack him and vultures devour him just as if he were a mere bird and not a great king what should i do if i saw his poor feathers scattered on the ground and knew that he was no more so she grieved all day long the beautiful bluebird hid in a hollow tree spent the hours in thinking of his princess how happy i am to have found her again and found her so engaging and so sweet and as he wished to pay her all the attentions that a lover delights in he flew to his own kingdom entered his palace by an open window and sought for some diamond earrings which he brought back in his beak and when night came offered them to florina so night after night he brought her something beautiful and they talked together till day then he flew back to the hollow tree where he sang her praises in a voice so sweet that the passers-by thought it was not a bird but a spirit rumors went about that the place was haunted and no one would go near the spot thus for two years florina spent her time and never once regretted her captivity her blue bird visited her every night and they loved one another dearly and though she saw nobody and he lived in the hollow of a tree they always found plenty to say to one another the malicious queen tried with all her might to get troutina married but in vain nobody would have her if it were florina now said the kings or the king's ambassadors we should be most happy to sign the contract that girl thwarts us still said the queen she must have some secret correspondence with the foreign suitors but we will find her out and punish her the mother and daughter finished talking so late that it was midnight before they reached florina's apartment she addressed herself as usual with the utmost care to please her bluebird who liked to see her lovely and she had adorned herself with all the pretty things he had given her he perched on the window-sill and she sat at the window and they were singing together a duet which the queen heard outside she burst the door open and rushed into the chamber end of the bluebird part one